0: Yeah, I don't know. Just every time I read about this whole any any of these sorts of things where people are using like all this bullshit like legal mechanisms to create companies and then dissolve companies and move all this stuff around like my brain turns into one of those memes where it's like they have played us for absolute fools yeah. we, like <laughs> but individuals were never meant to incorporate as corporations
1: <laughs> well that's like when I worked at the beer stores in Pittsburgh uh, I found out that like you're not actually allowed to own more than one beer distributor so the boss had been opening all of the beer distributors in, like, family members and high-ranking middle yeah. managers' names. And I remember finding this out and thinking, like, well, that's, like, blatantly illegal. Should I just report him? And, and uh, you know, the person who, I had, who was training me, basically, uh, just looked at me, and they're like, you think the mayor's going to care about this? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, I, no. They probably play golf together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe with Bill Peduto. I don't know who's the mayor of Pittsburgh now, some other clown.
0: But, um... Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing sucks. Fuck contracting. We'll get to that when we get to that episode. That's right. <laughs> or that um, article.
1: <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of getting to things, I guess I'll get right to the <laughs> intro. <laughs> everybody your favorite labor podcast uh, we're entirely listener supported so thank you so much for any money you might be throwing us on the patreon it really does go a long way if you're not already signed up for the patreon that's where you can get our shop floor discussions overtime episodes and whatever other cool bonus content we manage to cobble together for you if you're not in the discord already get in the discord it's a really great place to hang out talk about the episode share memes share organizing tactics and all that stuff if you're a patron and you don't have stickers yet I've said this so many times just message us on Patreon. It's just, just send one little message. And if you want to help the show a little bit more, leave us a five-star review anywhere that you think it will help. Just, uh, etch it into the side of a park bench. We love to see it.
0: Yeah, go to the Fall Guys bench in Skegness and leave your five star review there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is Skegness? That's Elden Ring, right? <laughs> it,
0: no, it's, like so, it's some town in rural England.
2: So I actually, you're, yes. you're telling okay. me yeah. that there's a Fall Guys bench in in Skyrim?
0: <laughs> yes, one of the new mods. It's the it's the crossover everyone's been waiting for.
1: kids these dice i can't even i'm just gonna end up doing an australian accent let's move on Uh, (laughs) i gotta work on my cockney before i get before i get on mike uh so the first thing that we want to follow up with a little bit is a bit of surprising news from the apple corporation indicating that they're going to bargain in good faith with the union which is like Something we love to hear, but I also have this inclination to kind of press X to doubt a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um yeah. This one, I saw this and I was like, uh, I, I mean, like, just one of the like, I don't know. Just reading this, I'm just like, ah, something about this makes this very difficult to believe. I, I, like, yeah, it sounds great on like on the surface of it. It's like Apple's, like, they what is it? They 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 come out and they say oh well you know the the workers voted for a union and we will bargain with them and it's like
2: yeah i mean that's going to happen hope. for a couple months like i'm sure that there is going to be some bargaining in the in the first few months and then the company is going to and mark my words on this one they're going to come out and say that the union is being unreasonable
0: yeah. and
2: that and that their demands are too high and they're not going to be able to come to an agreement on a contract, which is going to draw out the process. And through this whole time, they're doing this like, nice pro- like public imaging uh, s- like spin to try to avoid other stores from unionizing because they don't want the fucking Starbucks treatment.
1: No, what? What? A tech company would never run a big PR campaign over promise and then never uh, deliver on those promises. That that could not happen. I mean,
0: but yeah, to your point, Lena, that's exactly what I, ultimately I like came to the conclusion on reading this was because like, we have a quote from, from David Sullivan, who's the Eastern VP of the Machinists. Uh, who are you know now going to be representing the workers at the Towson, Maryland store that unionized, saying that the workers, quote, look forward to bargaining with Apple and obtaining a strong first contract that makes positive changes for Apple workers and the customers they are proud to serve. And like, yeah, in the ideal world, I would certainly hope that Apple meant what they said and they're bargaining for a first contract. But I think that you are, are probably right on there, which is where they basically see what Starbucks's image has turned into with their scorched earth anti-union campaign. And I think you're right that they're like, well, we're not actually going to accept the union, but we got to come at this a little more like smart than, 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 Howard Schultz.
1: Yeah, a little bit more sophisticated. You know, uh, Apple's going to try something they've never done before, which is to look at one major company that's having a huge problem and then only fix that one problem within their own corporate structure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, the first contract is one of the most difficult contracts for any new union Mm -hmm. to get. And, I mean... If they are going to be like, I don't remember what the demands from this store were, but I know that at some of the other stores, it was like, hey, we want $30 an hour. Yeah. And if that's the sort of demand that comes up, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that Apple's going to be like, uh, that's just unreasonable. Our profit levels are, are, sure, they're immense, but like they would be slightly less immense if we paid you, you know, more, oh, almost, you know. Uh, almost a yeah. l- like over a living wage.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be the sort of thing where they're just like, "We are so proud to offer industry leading wages and benefits to all of our workers, which is why we're offering you to sign this contract. That's the same thing that you already had, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you should be grateful for it. That's the sort of thing that I would imagine they'll do. I mean, like, look, we're obviously coming at this from a very cynical perspective, but I think one that's informed I, by, I,
2: well, yeah, I was about reality. to say, I mean, <laughs> does I mean, does it being cynical like uh mean that you're not being real about the history of the situation i mean i i feel like it kind of does i feel like we're more like looking at what is the most likely outcome yeah uh, rather than actually just being like uh this is actually still gonna suck
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, and I I don't know, like if you're, if you're gambling with someone and you're 99% sure they're using loaded dice and you ask them (laughs) to inspect the dice, do they get to go? Oh, you're just a cynic. You just don't (laughs) believe in anything, do you? Like, that doesn't make any sense.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, okay. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, we just wanted to mention this because like it, even the announcement that they are going to bargain with the union Like, is a different tack than we've seen from so many places. And it's, I really mostly just want to market so that, you know, months down the road, if this store still doesn't have a contract. And they're acting exactly as you said, Lena. Like that—that that, oh, the union's being unreasonable. Then we can just refer back to this to be like, hey, remember when you said you were going to bargain in good faith? Though it turns mm-hmm. out that mm-hmm. was a lie. Well,
2: <laughs> I also think that a little bit more pressure is the Microsoft uh, CWA right. agreement because I mean they want to seem like oh no, we're b- even better than than uh, Microsoft. I almost forgot <laughs> yeah. who the fuck it was for a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to hear more about that, that's. Uh, one of our most recent shop floor discussions where we talk about the uh, CWA Microsoft um you know uh what is it, what is it? uh it's I don't want, I almost called it yeah the mm-hmm. neutrality agreement I I almost called it labor peace although it's I not mean, we go over why wh- what <laughs> levels of labor peace it is in that episode but yeah, yeah. to move to our next uh, um story that we're covering we're actually going to be going to Trader Joe's which we, Trader Joe's which we <laughs> You need you know, anything? Yes, yeah. <laughs> which we've been covering. Uh, we actually have a second store that has filed for an elect in, a- in an election. So on Tuesday, June twenty eighth, workers at a Trader Joe's in Minneapolis became the second store in the chain to file for an a- election uh, in the NLRB, and they are actually going to also be part of the Independent Union Trader Joe's Unite, uh, and that is pretty fucking cool.
0: Yeah. This rules I mean, I would definitely prefer to purchase uh, bags of chocolate colored pre- covered pretzels from a union location, so really hoping this goes through. I mean, there wasn't a ton of info that I could find on this announcement, mostly just like Twitter videos of like them announcing it on the floor and everybody being like, "Yeah, which was hell, dope. yeah <laughs> um, but uh, from what I could find on Twitter, basically they they say they're focus on. Most of the same stuff that we heard from the workers at the Hadley, Massachusetts store. Mm -hmm. when They announced they were filing uh, basically safety at work, protection from being arbitrarily fired. And as as was really emphasized at at both these uh, stores, that the workers would themselves have an actual voice in how their workplace is run. What a a crazy demand. (laughs) I know. insane. Imagine
2: having a say in the thing that you do for a third of your life. It's right? wild.
1: These these people stock, you know, they stock our, our uh, ethical free range cereals and our soy chorizo. And uh, <laughs> then they want to be paid a living wage for it. I, <laughs> I mean,
0: crazy. <laughs> and, and it's nuts. We also just found out that the workers at the Hadley store have now received the date for their NLRB election. So the end of this month in just uh, just like three weeks from when we're recording the 27th and the 28th. They will be voting at that store on whether we will have the first officially recognized union at Trader Joe's. The one
2: thing I want to point out by that... About that is that three weeks is pretty good for a stip on on like when things are going to be happening, because we have seen companies really drag their feet and, mm-hmm. and or like put all these objections up, stopping the NLRB from being able to set dates. And so a three week stip is still they're going to be facing union busting throughout that entire period of time. Um But, I mean, it's much better than, like, months of facing union busting up to an Mm -hmm. election, which can be really grueling on the employees and and really... Hopefully not lower momentum if people are doing good rank and file organizing. But you know, we it, even even with like good organizers, sometimes people just get very tired of having thousands and thousands of dollars spent <laughs> to ruin their workplaces. Yeah, yeah. that um,
1: that uh, close that close together timetable really lets you carry your your momentum through the whole process, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, so we'll be following that one, and uh, hopefully in a few weeks we'll have an episode where we are recounting their election victory. Um, Hell yeah. But in the last of our like little quick hit follow-up updates we're just running through right here, uh, we have a unfortunate new move in Amazon's war against organizing at their facilities where last Thursday Amazon announced a new nationwide policy for all their employees banning employees from company facilities when they're not on the clock. And specifically the policy reads, quote, Employees are not allowed to access Amazon buildings or working areas during off duty periods. Off duty periods include scheduled days off and before or after scheduled shifts. End quote.
1: That's and just insane. I mean, they know full well that being on the premises before or after your shift or on lunch breaks or on days off is like a critical component to union organizing.
2: Well, and I mean, like, this is also going to be and like, sure, it's it's meant to make it so that it's harder for the um, the, uh, the organizers to talk to fellow workers. But even just like it, it's going to give more reasons to fire. But you're like, oh, you mm-hmm. were here 15 minutes early for your shift. Well, uh, that's not allowed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it basically just, I mean, obviously, supervisors already kind of have carte blanche to fire people for any reason, especially at Amazon, when they do things through their opaque, like, call the workforce via algorithm bullshit that they do, but yeah, this is just gonna make that even more easier, and and it's gonna turn, like, the Panopticon that's already in every Amazon facility, you know, up another notch, and, and, like, the, I know this probably sounds like like a, a, a relatively niche, like nitpicky change to a, a policy. But like when we if, if folks have listened to our, our breakdown episode where we covered like the JFK victory and, and went over all of the different tactics that the workers there used, you'll remember that one of the big factors that played a role in allowing the ALU to organize at JFK 8 was that there was a national settlement between Amazon and the NLRB that in fact, allowed workers specifically to go to non-work areas, so basically the break room, during their hours off of their shifts, so that they could organize, and that included, you know, bringing food and and putting up flyers and just talking to coworkers during their their off time. I mean, that was how Chris Smalls was originally arrested, going into the facility to bring in like I think baked ziti. Um mm-hmm. and that. Sort of organizing their ability to do that played a really big role in building the ALU at JFK eight, and this is a this is clearly designed to prevent that. And the thing that yeah. <laughs> I think annoyed me the most about this is the fucking little coda that Amazon put in their policy, where they're like, "Oh, oh, but Mister NLRB, lest you think otherwise, we are not union busting." As shown by this statement, quote, please note this policy will not be enforced discriminatorily against employees engaging in protected activity, end quote.
2: Right. So, (laughs) does that mean that you are allowed in the break room during your uh, non scheduled time because of the agreement if you're organizing? Because, I mean, like if it like cuz that's it could put such a gray area in there yeah. i feel like they're just going to use it to be like oh you're not organizing you're just
0: standing there talking to people yeah the the way i interpreted it is they is i think amazon's lawyers have basically said well well that settlement was that we wouldn't break the law and 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 stop people from from like organizing so we've just made a blanket policy that says nobody can be in the facility on their time off, whether they're organizing or not. So, see, it's not targeting union organizing. It's right. just and everyone.
2: I, I think that the only uh, facility that this that is, has the potential to really fight back against this is still the Bessemer. One, because they have their open election that still is unresolved because we don't have any other work uh, any other um, warehouses that have filed at this very moment and so they're like hey this is a, a slightly quiet time now would be a great time to do a blanket statement across all of these because there's no status quo that we can really you know fuck with people with except for I guess maybe JFK 8 could maybe fight against it but that's that's Right, yeah. About I, it. I've
0: seen some posts from like cause the workers at the facility in North Carolina trying to push back on this, but they're still in a pretty early stage, uh, of fighting back against this. I will be interested to see if say like maybe Amazonians United, maybe folks who are running like a minor like a minority union, a solidarity mm-hmm. union type setup, they might be positioned a little better to actively push back against this. But yeah, it's, we're, it's going to be interesting to see how the folks put bash put push back against this <laughs> because it's yeah. it's such it's so obviously an attack on on the unions that like I don't know I can't imagine the NLRB is actually going to force them to reverse this uh, policy so I think it's mm-hmm. just going to have to folks are just going to have to adapt
1: yeah, no, it really does just kind of feel like somebody s- sent a memo and was like, hey, you know, things have quieted down for a second. Y- launch the anti-union policy and make sure to write at the end that it's not going to be used in an anti-union way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of the equivalent of being like, uh, they send out a company email and they're like, here's a racist joke. We promise it's not racist. Yeah, uh, well,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like, and we say quiet, and we just mean that more in, like, a legal uh framework because there we've mm-hmm. actually seen even more uh facilities, you know, uh announce that there are people organizing in them and and other sorts of, of things like that. So I think that it this is really just a preemptive move to, like this is like the calm before the storm and so they're gonna do whatever they can to put up a wall. Um but yeah. Yeah. So, so. I mean, let's hope that uh, this doesn't impede them way too much, and they find that maybe this has a uh, a organizing tactic. Because I mean, like, what if there are even like people who are not supporting the union necessarily, who you know forgot something and then get written up? And you know, there's all sorts of reasons why people would need to be back at their workplace during time that they're not scheduled. But I mean, to move to our next story. We're going to be doing another follow-up on the Ecuadorian national strike, uh, which has ended maybe temporarily, but I mean, as far as we can tell, there are a couple of the demands that were on that list of 10 demands uh, that have been met uh, with the kind of like, uh, okay, we'll do some of these, and then we're going to actually have a mediator and a negotiation on the rest of them. Uh, I think that for the most part, this indigenous struggle is prepared to go back out into the streets the moment that the Ecuadorian uh, state does not comply with, you know, or decides that they're going to try to cut one of the demands.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, folks will remember we just talked about this. This was a enormous national mobilization of workers and peasants in Ecuador against the austerity conditions put into place by Ecuador's right-wing U.S.-backed government uh uh the lasso regime where it's just l- they're literally run by a uh, a former banker um and this was uh, you know an enormous upheaval really the biggest one since the st- uprising in i think 2019 was the last one um against the Lenin Moreno government and so this comes with you know it's it's one of those things where it it it's like it's it's a clearly a compromise where you have the, the leading national coalitions, including, uh, Conai, the, the, the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador, signed this agreement to end the strike and continue negotiations. And I think that's the key thing. And because I think it would be very easy for, for people like who maybe haven't been like, you know, following this very directly, or you just see the headline, you see, oh, they signed this and they got a 15 cent gas reduction. Oh, that's it. This doesn't seem like that much, but, there's a lot of pieces in this. And I think the fact that this is an understanding of like, look what we were able to do in shutting down the country for almost three weeks. We'll work like we're, we'll go through this democratic process, but if you don't stick with it, government, we can easily mobilize people again. So like specifically what the agreement actually says is it includes a, a 6% ish cut to gas prices in the country, which it's a 15 cent cut. Um, the government is now going to be declaring a national, uh, health emergency to, uh, which will allow the like state local and state governments to actually spend more resources to provide health services to places that don't have them. That's a big thing for a lot of the, the rural residents in Ecuador, um, They are establishing a system via which the government is supposed to crack down on price speculation, because obviously, in addition to the levels of inflation that we're already seeing around the world, like you have a lot of people like businesses, like small vendors who will take advantage of that to just jack prices up even more and gouge folks again, especially folks in rural areas who may not have many options.
1: That's called the Um, American model. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. very much so That's the other thing, it's like, I'm just like seeing Like one of those PragerU videos where it's like Why price gouging is actually good
1: <laughs> Right, right, you <Yeah>, know, why <laughs> Florida is the best State in the country
0: <laughs> Yeah, um, the agreement also Maybe Alaska be- it also includes that the government will repeal uh, a law called Decree 95, which that is a law that was basically aimed at privatizing Ecuador's uh, oil exploration sector and opening up more lands for oil speculation. And so this actually is getting that repealed. That, I think, is a really big win from this struggle. Um it additionally is requiring a reform of decree 151 which is a law aimed at controlling mining activity in the country and so this is basically they're going to change it so that any new like mining exploration will require the consultation of like the local and indigenous groups in the area where like the project is proposed so That's
1: re- that's really really important too and I've noticed yeah. a lot of countries Especially during, I don't know how to broadly gesture towards everything that's happened in the last two years, but especially during all of that, it seems like a lot of resource exporting countries have been really trying to lock down on and either nationalize or at least get their like resource extraction industries out of the hands of big American and Canadian companies. And it seems like a really, really smart move, because you know if you don 't do something like this, Ecuador is just going to end up being a vassal state to Canada for its copper and lithium or whatever it has yeah
0: i mean for sure and and then the final piece is uh repealing the like country wide state of emergency that was put into place during the strike, which gave the country 's repressive state apparatus basically carte blanche to attack people and mm-hmm. So like this obviously this isn't, you know, uh, the government signing up to all 10 of the key 10 points that we explained of the indigenous people's movements, like, um, their program. But I think that getting those changes to those decrees is really big, uh, as well as I think probably the most important thing coming out of this strike is the demonstration of the, the strength and power that these, Organizations like Konai, which is probably not how you pronounce it, but that's just how i'm <laughs> like turning the acronym into a word but like to show that the because like they were able to mobilize hundreds of thousands of people across the country on a relatively short notice, and that is something that I think so many movements don't necessarily display the ability to, to 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 have these deep structures that you've built over a long period of time a real community whereby on a short notice because that's the thing that's so I think impressive is the ability to move that many people on short notice around very specific demands because what that really also shows over from the the actions of those last couple of weeks is basically like If you guys are just lying, if you're just going to sign this agreement and then go back on it, it's like, we can do this shit again. (laughs) So,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that threat needs to be present.
1: Yeah. And it's crazy how much power, like indigenous farmers groups and indigenous workers groups and, and these other tight knit communities have, I mean, this is something the Zapatistas have highlighted over and over again. They're like, you want to build power, go to the village literally go there and start talking to people and you know to see this kind of mobilization is really heartening because like if they're not prepared to mobilize again and again in the face of any kind of like Lying and cheating from the government, uh, then these things are never going to get moved forward on like it's really great that they got all of these gains already, but they have to do 90 days worth of negotiation to get the rest of their 10 points. And assuredly, the Ecuadorian government's going to try to water down some and eliminate others. And then something that I thought was really interesting about this is that the the mediating party that has been agreed upon is is the head of the e- Episcopal conference. Is that a, is that a faith organization or does it just have a funny name? Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, I also love the fact that like the, the guy that was like the main, the leading of the leader of the mediating party between the, 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 the indigenous groups and the government. As you said, that, that Episcopal conference, this guy Monsignor uh, Luis Cabrera, that it's him who is says this quote that I'm about to go through, and not like say Leonid, Leonidas Issa, the the leader of of the, the Kona group, where he said, "quote If state policies do not resolve the problem of the poor, then the people will rise up."
1: <laughs> Banging, love to hear that from the yeah, like, from like, the mediator.
0: <laughs> this is like some some liber- liberation theology shit. I'm like big fan. Well, he might not <laughs> no, even
1: yeah. he might not even be on their side you know i think if you if you work in faith organizations uh in most cases especially if you're in a poorer country like ecuador you end up with a lot of face-to-face contact with people and regardless of his politics i think he's just like look this is what i've seen like these people are ready to like put the put their leaders through hell if they don't get what they want
0: yeah absolutely and then we did have a statement from the indigenous confederation itself saying only the struggle has allowed us to win rights. We have obtained results in the 10-point national agenda. We have achieved measures to alleviate the economic, health, and education situation of vulnerable families in the countryside and cities. We have achieved decrees to defend life, end quote. Hell yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that rocks. Uh, I, so I think, that, yeah, this is a really good demonstration of how you can use organized popular power And I I think we're just going to have to sort of just watch over the next several months to see how this plays out, to see what ways the state tries to go back on this and then what further actions have to be taken by the people in order to enforce them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and to move to our next story, which is also an international story, but is still a follow up from a local like a like a U.S. story. We're going to be following up on Case New Holland, where there is a pending or a strike that is most likely going to happen at a U.K. plant associated with Case New Holland. And this was, I mean, news to me mostly. I mean, like, of course, there are bo- a bunch of multinational corporations out there. And, and I guess I just had not put together because, you know, covering so many different uh, companies and and things that are, you know, having work stoppages going on at them. I was like, oh, Case, New Holland. That's just, you know, it's at a couple different places in the U.S. Uh, you know, with a, with a relation to, what, uh, the Netherlands, maybe? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, right. how many New Hollands are there? There's a New Holland in Racine. There's a New Holland in the U.K. <laughs> That's some William of Orange shit, New Holland in the U.K. No? Yeah. No English history buffs? Never mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, they, basically, the company is uh, dragging out any, the bargaining that's that's been happening there
0: yeah. to
2: the point where where these workers are basically gonna have to go on strike, expanding the U.S. strike to an international strike, which we kind of love to see.
0: Yeah. So, just for a real quick like update on how things are going in the U.S. I mean, we we mentioned when we first talked about the start of this strike a couple of months ago that they like the UAW said, they're like, we think this is going to take a long strike and we're prepared for a long strike. And so, I mean, we had a quote in here because these workers have been cut off from their company health care. But the, I don't I mean, the 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 kind of funny but also bad thing about it is that like. Well, when the company cut their health care off, the union picked it up. And there's a quote here from Yasin Mahdi, who's the president of UAW Local 180, who said the insurance, referring to the insurance from Case New Holland, is worse than what we currently have, referring to what they're getting from the union. And the wages are not commensurate with 2022 wages in this area. All of the area manufacturers are paying more. Which, uh- like...
2: I love this because that is going to lead the workers to be like, "Oh, wait, wait, we have to go back to the other healthcare system." No, the the, the union healthcare is going into this plan, which is one of the things that is really a great thing to fight for in a contract. Not mm-hmm. only because union healthcare is better, but also because then those plans become cheaper because there are more people a part of them, which makes them better for all of the union members who are associated with that plan, basically only making the plan even better through the more workers that are involved in that specific health care plan. And so, honestly, if you got a union and there is a union health care, you should try to make sure that's part of your contract.
1: Absolutely. 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 And uh, in response to uh, you know, the workers' continued action, the company has just uh, done the exact same thing that it's been doing, which is refusing to bargain in good faith. And so you have workers still standing strong, such as Tim Holloway, a machinist at the Racine plant, who said, quote, You're not just a number. You're not just someone who's picking up a screwdriver or a hammer and going to work and going home. You matter. Your family matters, which is a really great pro worker message and also one of the most Wisconsin things you can say. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say say as hi to your folks for me and watch out for deer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and now the strike, as you were saying, Lena, is no longer confined entirely to the Midwest and this looks to be expanding across the pond because that's also something they say in Wisconsin
1: <laughs> all the way over in <laughs> Michigan across
0: the lake. <laughs> um, so there's, we found out there's actually a case new Holland plant in Basildon, England as well, where over 500 workers there uh, that that tractor plant there are going to be going on strike in. And this is really interesting. I don't know that I'd seen this it's a little bit like the transit strike, but I understand why the train strike did a series of one- day strikes mm-hmm. uh, seeing that for a tractor plant is is new to me um, they're they're basically like because they, they have you know the sorts of demands that that you would expect the company has offered them uh, 5.6 percent. Raise this year and 2 to 3% next year. And, of course, with current inflation in the U.K., at, at least 9.5%, probably realistically when it's calculated, like, with most current prices, it's probably around 11%. So, it, like, you wouldn't even catch up to this year's inflation with next year's raises. So... Yeah, I mean, well, and I think ridiculous.
2: that we, we've seen this at a lot of different UK manufacturing areas. Like I remember when the biscuit strike was happening, that <laughs> was an intermittent strike where they were, uh, you know, not working during certain periods. There was still times when the factory would run, um, and and so I mean I don't know if this is just common a common tactic in the UK. Uh, but (laughs) it does seem in manufacturing that it has happened more often than it has happened in the U S where those strikes I think happen less often in the U S they are usually a little bit more like, you know, we're going to strike until we get the contract.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just a British thing. Maybe, uh, you would do intermittent strikes too. If your grandfather got bombed by the fucking Germans.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) I mean, maybe so like, uh, the workers at the Basildon plant are represented by a union called unite the union. Um, which is actually the U. Yeah. It's the UK's second largest union. And they've pointed out the same thing that the workers in Racine and and in Iowa have pointed out, that the company is making record profits. So the idea that they can't afford to pay workers a living wage that keeps up with inflation or exceeds it is a joke. And I I really like the statement from the general secretary of Unite, Sharon Graham, who said the greed displayed by case, new Holland's leadership is staggering. Case, new Holland is bringing in billions and CEO is rewarded obscene amounts, but the company's workers are expected to swallow a real term pay cut in a cost of living crisis. The sickening excesses of corporations like case, new Holland is exactly why people aren't fooled by calls for pay restraint. Corporate profiteering is driving inflation, not workers wages case, new Holland should be under no illusions. We will be backing our members with the full force of the union in their fight for, fair pay rise
1: hell yeah i love the pointing at the the bosses and saying like the this corporate profiteering this is it like don't be fooled by anything else this is the number one thing that's fucking us all over
0: yeah yeah and so like as we said their plan for their strike uh that actually i guess did just start uh they had they were planning to strike on june 3rd uh june 30th July 8th, July 11th, July 28th, July 29th, and August 26th and 30th. And if after those series of one day strikes, the company doesn't come back with a better offer, then they plan to like accelerate the strike into a a bigger, to intensify it into like a more longer term action.
1: See, we're going to do it the British way. We're going to twist their arm just a little bit at first, but if they don't (laughs) comply.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And- the other thing, though, that I think was so great about this was that they specifically in their like statements pointed out like that the workers in the U.S. are striking and extended their solidarity. Like with the, the local officer of the union in the Basildon area, uh, Michelle Cook, saying, unites – Case New Holland, and members send solidarity to their UAW brothers and sisters, striking for better pay and conditions in America. Our message to Case is the same. The company makes massive profits off the back of its staff. It's time to do the decent thing and give them a decent pay rise. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, hear ye, hear ye. We've <laughs> got
2: news for you Hear about if you're a performer in the in the medieval times because apparently <laughs> there's a union coming. Well, I mean it's called a
0: guild, but it's a union. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: this they're not story, just doing that to be cute either. We'll explain I, in a minute.
0: <laughs> I feel like this is like the one labor story that like the mainstream media picked up on over the last week because they're like medieval times. Oh, we can do so many puns! This is gonna be great. <laughs>
1: They're gonna unionize the jugglers and the jesters and the fools.
2: <laughs> yeah, I and that the one uh, there was there were memes going around too. That one with the with the knights in the with the hamsticks on that was a meme, right? That was a yeah, solid yeah. meme. Fuck yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, it's not in the meme review. <laughs>
0: And it's
1: also yeah, technically well, anachronistic. Uh, no socialist revolutions had happened during the medieval period. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just like asking people to read uh, uh, Caliban and the Witch. <laughs> but, but yeah, so this is what we're going to be talking about here is the workers at the Lyndhurst, New Jersey medieval times are have officially filed to be the first unionized location in that chain and the union will cover knights squires actors and stable workers
2: <laughs> hell yeah i i love this i feel and, I, I feel like uh it's it's like if uh all the things i want to do when playing role-playing games is like go in there like sure we're doing like you know the, the 15th 14th century stuff or whatever but yeah i'm a communist then too
0: (laughs) yeah well and i do think like as you were alluding to like john it it is appropriate that the union that they are filing to affiliate with is called the american guild of variety artists and like yeah, they are a union. They function like any other union. They aren't actually a guild like they don't have like, you know, exclusionary policies. It's just very appropriate that the <laughs> the workplace with that actually literally has knights and squires. Is, is signing up to unionize with a guild. <laughs>
1: the, I mean, performers love a guild. I, I imagine variety artists is like... Yeah. I, I guess whatever... So, like, non-theatrical stage performers? So you got your sword swallowers, your fire dancers, your... I don't even know the rest of. Them.
0: <laughs> I I think part of it is just so that it in, can include like like theme park workers because oh, that's okay. one of the because the 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 Guild of Variety Artists represents people who perform at theaters as you would expect, but also theme parks and touring acts, and in specifically they also represent the workers at Disneyland. So
1: okay, like I was going to say how how many magicians are there in the country? Like <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right, yeah. I mean that's the thing; it's hard to do a craft union around like knights in the year 2022 <laughs> right yeah
1: the squires union kind yeah, of a weird yeah, one yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and so like one of the things that these workers are really focused on and w- and why they've been fighting for a-, a union is safety concerns which really when you think about it makes a lot of sense because you got people who their job is potentially multiple times a day to be riding horses around or just you know corralling horses in a really loud indoor theater Full of drunk people and children so, and yes. like
1: this floored me when I read this because I have never been to a medieval times and so maybe those of you who have uh, already knew that they were riding horses around inside but I-, I didn't fucking know that and I kind of had to read it three times before I was like yeah this does say they're riding the horses indoors horses shit everywhere I don't want to eat dinner <laughs> this is a whole other conversation but
2: <laughs> right I. One thing that I found uh kind of funny is the idea like, oh, I, I bet the company's like, No, it has to be unsafe because then it's real to how unsafe right. the times were. Right. You know, like some sort of bullshit like that, where these workers themselves are like, uh, we have people without animal handling skills. Mm-hmm. Uh they literally have not put any points into that into that skill yet. And they're <laughs> required to to wrangle these horses it- while people are banging pots and children are screaming.
1: Yeah. And the corporate office's response is like, okay, next year we're going to release a plague just for authenticity. <laughs> we were going to do it this year, but obviously, you know, the whole,
0: yeah. And it's one of those things where it's funny. Cause it's like, it's, Medieval times, like working there as literally a knight or as an actress where you're like portraying a queen or Mm -hmm. you're literally portraying a squire or you're handling a falcon doesn't sound maybe much like, you know, working at Starbucks or working at Amazon or working at any of the other places that we talk about. But there's a lot of parallels like the fact that a lot of these workers get paid like shit and the place Doesn't hire enough staff. And so so to try and cut labor costs so that they can make workers basically work multiple jobs. At the same time, like one worker in this who was interviewed by uh, this is mostly out of a story from HuffPo by uh, Dave Jamieson. And one of the workers that he interviewed said it feels like the customer experience so greatly outweighs not only our employee experience, but our safety and our well-being. And I feel like any person who's worked in a restaurant can probably empathize with that statement. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, the performers are paid a minimum wage of $13 an hour in this New Jersey area. I mean, the idea—this is also—this is— Gonna we're gonna have to say the thing that pisses me off the most. You're doing the thing you love. Oh, this is yep. such a such a cool job. You get to be the the fucking squire. You get to be the the person who pretends to be the blacksmith. Like Ugh. If
1: I wanted I mean, to hear that shit for thirteen dollars an hour I would work at GameStop, sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and that's the, yeah, I mean, cause I feel like the, the funny thing is with this specific job, I feel like you can, you have a ready-made response where it's like, look, if I wanted to do this for less than a living wage, I could just spend all my time at rent fairs. Yeah and it'd be more realistic (laughs) and somehow probably less drunk people even as difficult as that would be to believe
1: i feel like i feel like you're right though because like a ren fair is a place people go and they get drunk there but medieval times feels like a place people go specifically to get drunk at
0: yeah absolutely and i mean because they've like one of the things they specifically talk about being dangerous is that you have people like they get wasted and then they like see people doing the, the jousting or whatever. And they're like, yeah. And they like start mm-hmm. banging plates together and then it spooks the horses and the horses like throw people, step on people. It's like people who can, it, it, anytime you're working around a horse, that's a dangerous job and it's very easy to get hurt. So, yeah. Like, wh-
1: a horse has four sides. One of which is like <laughs> famously one of the most dangerous things you can stand next to. Yeah. I was yeah.
2: watching a, a horseshoe person like, do i mean, like i can't imagine like being around horses they're fucking terrifying for one they're they're like giant near abominations of animals <laughs> and uh and just like just cuz i've been watching more youtube videos lately but like that seems so dangerous they're like literally next to the horse and i'm like this guy's going to
0: die
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an anti-horse podcast. Horses are basically megafauna, <laughs> and they should not exist.
0: <laughs> yeah, we never should have switched from those like giant sloths. Yeah, um, <laughs> but but I mean, yeah. It's and it's one of those. This is like again, so many parallels with so many of the other places because worker after worker who Jamieson interviewed for this this piece told him that it's like they're not organizing because they hate their jobs they're organizing because they like their jobs but they're tired of being treated like shit by Mm -hmm. their bosses and not being given respect for the dangerous and difficult work that they do and like pernell thompson who is a stable hand at the location told them they treat a lot of the professionally trained actors like anybody can do this job they treat a lot of the stable hands like we're fully replaceable and they consider it an entry-level job I've worked entry level animal care jobs. This is not that. You can get hurt or die doing this. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's a really great thing to outline. I mean, just the idea
2: that uh because, you know, this is such a cool role play thing that, you know, everything re- requires, you know, like more skills but gets paid less. You know, that's yeah. that's always the, the way when it comes to these, you know, kind of glorified uh, uh, performance jobs or, or, you know, things related to performance, whether it be like, you know, again, working at the Apple store. And she's so grateful to be working with all this great technology. Why don't you work for less? you
0: know? Right.
1: Well, I mean, and what has Medieval Times, the cool and hip, uh, you know, <laughs> fantasy historical theater company, done in response to this? They have hired union busting consultants from the quote Independent Center for Worker Education. Ominous, uh, and they're paying them thirty two hundred dollars a day. Ooh. Yeah, I thought that was a typo at first, uh, to to try and union bust. And so, of course, all of the other stuff yep. that comes along with that, captive audience meetings uh, during rehearsal days, and uh, also brought in the CEO, Perico Montaner, which, to be honest, does sound like a medieval name, to, quote, <laughs> hear workers' concerns and to kind of give the impression that the company gives a shit. But I feel like any worker... That I've ever met knows that when the CEO shows up for a day and listens to you, it really doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah,
0: yeah like for for some perspective, I'm I mean everybody can tell like 3,200 a day is a ridiculous amount of money, but to for comparison's sake, that's the equivalent basically to six weeks of wages in one day for these workers that are starting at New Jersey's minimum wage. So. Yeah, well, and
2: we're pretty optimistic that these workers will be able to get their union because mm-hmm. IATSE had made a push back in 2006 to unionize the exact same location and it had only lost by three votes. So with the way that you know all of the contradictions have mounted through the pandemic, uh, the way that people are a bit more educated in how to organize, I think that we will be seeing this first medieval times union, this guild of... of a very important performers and, and and, you know, stable hands and other workers like that.
0: Absolutely. So hopefully we're going to be seeing, you know, all, all nine of the locations across the country, eventually, you know, looking at this and being like, you know, those folks in New Jersey are right. The Squires do need to get together. Hell yeah. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. I mean, this is, there are, there are nine locations. So i I'm, this is uh that's not a huge amount of things to overcome and if you could get all nine locations that'd be a pretty powerful union so
0: yeah absolutely so uh, really looking forward to this i mean their election is on july 15th so not too long like less than 2 weeks from from now so really looking forward to seeing that i mean the everything that they were t- talking about from interviewing the folks in the article really sounded like there's a lot of unanimity around the union and they didn't specifically say in there, whether they were influ- that, whether they were inspired by Starbucks or Amazon, but the fact that they said that they've had people standing up in captive audience meetings and challenging the consultants claims and being like, yeah, that's bullshit. And actually this is the truth like that. Hey, that rules. I like just absolutely love seeing that. Like it's that's also such true a good to form. Way.
2: I mean, be rabble.
0: That's yeah. That's, yeah i mean that's the thing i don't know if you want to like really fight this hard against your workers forming a union when they're the sorts of people who are far more likely to know like the historical background behind people showing up to things with pitchforks and torches yeah
1: (laughs) yeah hey look they learned how to swing swords and shoe horses for 13 dollars an hour what have you learned how to do you're soft (laughs) don't fuck with them
0: that's (laughs) true (laughs) absolutely Uh, um Well, uh,
2: to move to our next story, we're going to be going to what is not a strike, but a picket, and it's specifically not a strike because we've got some motherfuckers who have, uh, in the state, who have extended the Railway Labor Act, the one that we fucking hate so much,
0: also to these
2: people. Uh, These pilots at really everywhere it's yeah it's this isn't (laughs)
0: confined to anyone yeah because like like what we want to talk about is if you know anybody or if you yourself have tried to take a plane anywhere in the last few months you probably have had your flight delayed or canceled or switch dates switch Mm -hmm. times fucked around with because according to the airlines there's a pilot shortage Um, (laughs) you'll be shocked to hear listener that the airlines are not being entirely truthful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: Um, Could so not. a lot of this I got I got out of a story from uh, Liberation News about the the crisis that's being faced by U.S. airlines, fundamentally mostly because of the fact that the airlines are private instead of being public, which is what they should be. Um, but. So obviously at this point, everybody is going to be well aware that, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the industries most hard hit by travel restrictions, by shutting down of businesses, by trade being like delayed were the airlines. The airlines took a huge hit and because air travel just, you know, dropped through the floor, especially when there were travel bans internationally. But despite that, the airlines have never actually been in any danger of default. None of the major ones that form the the monopolies like, you know, Southwest and Delta. Um, and the, they also got millions of bailouts or was it billions? Yeah. Uh, $54 billion to be specific was just given to the airlines ostensibly for the purpose of, you know, maintaining payroll being like, well, we're going to need these planes when the pandemic is over, if that ever happens. Uh, so, like, you got to keep these people around. And so, of course, the airlines then turned around and used that money to pay bonuses <laughs> and increase executive salaries. Like, Southwest Airlines CEO got a $10 million bonus in 2020, despite the fact that nobody could fly anywhere in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, well, and in
2: 2021 they cut their entire staff by 54 or uh, 56,000 people. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. We don't have the people we need to work.
0: Uh, I wonder why that is. Yeah. And they got around they're like, "Well, no, these weren't these weren't uh like staff cuts. We just offered workers incentives to retire early or quit." <laughs> it's it's definitely not firing people. <laughs>
2: But they, even then, even if even if it was totally above board and like, hey, you know what? We're going to be giving early retirement bonuses and benefits to people because we're like, hey, people should retire earlier. Assuming the, which this is not how it went down. I'm just, you know, moving to the, to the nicest possible thing. They did still cut that many jobs and they did not replace that many people. Like, yeah. and, and on top of that- they have made air travel incredibly unsafe during this pandemic since the CDC has cut masking guidelines, and the airlines were just like, oh, yeah, we're very excited. What was it? It Was, was it Delta or whatever? Yeah. Who, I mean, who basically came out and said, we've been lobbying against having masks on planes, which, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't affecting the CEOs at all. They still get to sit in their fucking cush office. This is affecting the flight attendants, the pilots, the even the other people, the passengers on the plane who are far more likely to get sick because of that that you know getting rid of the mandate for masks
0: yeah so you have this combination of the airlines cutting staff by an enormous amount and then lobbying the government to slash covid regulations and so now the staff routinely get sick far more often especially now that they have to go back to work after five days which was a change that was specifically lobbied for by Delta CEO Ed Bastain. Um, so this is a problem entirely created by the airlines themselves. There's no like th- there's no supply chain issue of pilots. There was no COVID-specific plague that only went after pilots. Like, this is a own goal, like by them, and they're just now trying to blame it on, oh, well, not enough people want to be pilots.
2: Yeah, they, they are <laughs> reaping, and yet they refuse to accept the sowing. Uh, but, like, seriously, they... the the whole thing about this is that with the people getting sick more often, they're more likely to also end up with things like long COVID, which have Mm -hmm. affected many, many people. I mean, 2% of people in the UK have said that it has affected their daily lives, that long COVID specifically has affected their daily lives. And I mean, I only know that off the top of my head. I haven't looked at what specifically it's like in the United States, but with people getting COVID multiple times, they are more likely to be affected on a day-to-day basis, meaning that they're going to have to call in more. They're going to have to, you know, use more of their their sick benefits or if they can't even continue with the benefits that they have to find other employment
1: Yeah, well, and while all of these employees are getting sick, the airlines are going full fire festival mode and just overbooking (laughs) and over advertising the entire time, continuing to promise, like, you know, normal air traffic standards to consumers. And then when they're not able to, they have refused to return over $10 billion in ticket fees to those same consumers, instead insisting on just juggling their flight dates around, which, as you may know from being a person with a life, a flight. on a Friday that you need is not just as good as a flight the next Wednesday, right. When the event that you're flying for is fucking over.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the, 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 I I thought it was wild when I found out. Oh yeah, they're just keeping ten billion dollars in fees from people they cancel. I'm like, so they're just stealing money, right? Like it's it's just open robbery. They like I I can't imagine what the legalistic justification they have for the way that. Well,
2: I think that the way that they get away with it is because they charge you extra for the ability to refund your ticket. There's, like, oh, special yeah. things that you have to, like, sign up for and pay extra for in order to get those benefits. I mean, like, when I had a flight that was rescheduled a while ago, like, they said, oh, there's absolutely nothing we can do. We are, we'll are get you on the flight tomorrow, and there we're not even going to give you a place to stay. There are zero benefits that we are providing to people. This is just something you're going to have to eat.
0: Yeah, and... All while this is going on, while they've created massive understaffing and therefore massive overwork for the pilots who are still employed there, they're also refusing to update the contracts that these workers are, like, employed under. So, like... Pilots at Delta and Southwest are working on contracts that are multiple years out of date now, like Captain Jason Ambrosi, who's the chairman of the Delta Master Executive Council, told reporters, quote, it's been two and a half years since our contract became amendable and three and a half years since the Delta pilots last had a pay raise. Meanwhile, our quality of life has eroded due to management's unwillingness to schedule the airline properly, end quote. And yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like when I was a kid, like, like being an airline pilot was seen as at least a semi glamorous job it's like oh Mm -hmm. you get paid really well and you get to visit all these places and people are like "Ooh, you're a pilot this is very cool and now i feel like they're treated like dog shit yeah (laughs) like all the rest of the employees oh my god three and
1: a half years without a pay raise that's like a 15 percent pay cut basically over three years
2: Right, to yeah. the point where these pilots have been going on, like, rotated uh, pickets because they're not allowed to strike since the Railway Labor Act basically says that, you know, you have to go through this month-long process to possibly strike, though they are mm-hmm. going through that process. Uh, I mean, they are, when people are off their shifts, going out and picketing across the country.
0: Yeah, the the video, I don't know if folks have seen it. I posted it in the Discord. The video, because on June 22nd, 1,300 Southwest pilots staged a protest standing in a basically a, a silent protest at Dallas's Love Field, all holding signs demanding a new contract. And it, the, there's a video somebody took of them just driving along this picket line of 1,300 pilots all standing there. And I thought that was a really impressive like display of solidarity. But it's also frustrating because as you said, Lena, like they are limited to doing these like one-off actions on when they're not on their shifts because of the the Railway Labor Act. Like because you have Delta pilots who are planning to do pickets, you have Alaskan Airline pilots who have authorized a future strike potentially. You have the FedEx pilots picketed the FedEx Express Air Operations Center on June twenty eighth. But because they're classed under the Railway Labor Act, as you said, they're forced into this mediation which ends up just serving the interests of the airlines and they can't go out on a real strike because i mean i i can't see biden responding to a national airline pilot strike any different than reagan did to the PACCO strike
1: yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say is is there is no president since reagan that wouldn't do exactly what reagan did in that situation
0: yeah so like i i do think that because this is one of those things where we get into it's like these workers need new contracts. They have unions, Mm -hmm. but they, because of the horrible labor law that these workers and all the railway workers are stuck under, they just get fucked because they can authorize a strike, but the government just steps in and says, Oh, well, it would be too disruptive to the country. And we, we do, we see you, we hear you. We do think you should get a 1% raise or some, you know, atrocious nonsense that they'll end up going with. And, but in, in air travel – and I think this is all that, – that's honestly the thing because, I mean, one step would be we need to repeal the Railway Labor Act, which we absolutely should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's the, the, like, immediate reform that we should obviously be fighting for. There is absolutely no reason that these workers should be deprived of the right to strike. But ultimately for these things, specifically the railways and the airlines, you don't even have to be, you know, some weirdo communist like us <laughs> – to be like why are these private industries again like right. if they're so vital to the national interest that we can't even allow them to have the same rights as other workers shouldn't these just be a public good <laughs> like shouldn't these just be run by the state
1: <laughs> careful if you if you follow that line of reasoning too far we're going to end up with horrors beyond our comprehension <laughs> like free internet
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean like the yeah. the neoliberal program will never allow it to happen. There is a reason why trains have never been private in the United States is partially Public. because of the old liberalism and then the continuation of that into our new era which will never go away. Like there will never be a nationalized train service. There will never be nationalized flight att- flight people uh under this current regime. It won't happen. Yeah. They will. They would yeah. rather. They would rather us. Never mind. Uh, in,
0: <laughs> <laughs> than, well, I mean, than yeah, I, 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 and I think that that all points to like the importance of l- cross union solidarity. Because I think the only way we're ever going to get rid of the Railway Labor Act is if we have other unions that are willing to stand in solidarity with, like, say, the workers at BNSF or the workers at Delta or the workers at Southwest and be like. Yeah, these workers deserve the right to strike. Yeah. And if you try and break their union when they strike, well, get, we're going to shut down the ports on the West Coast, like, say, the ILWU. Or we're going to shut down as much trucking as we possibly can if you're the Teamsters. Or when, that's another reason why we got to build up like the ALU so much, because it's like, oh, well, how about half the Amazon warehouses can't ship goods? Mm-hmm. Like,
2: Yeah, and I think that the that that what you're saying is really important because though i mean i don't mean to be doomery and be like well we're never gonna have a national transportation service or whatever but like uh we we do have some avenues like the idea of of reform of the rail railway labor act i think yeah, that, that well, is something that could happen with enough pressure enough strikes and enough enough worker uh actions Yes. Yeah.
1: And enough Americans finally coming together at the ballot box <laughs> to vote oh. for Jeremy Corbyn.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's you know it's another one. I don't think it's doomy to be like we only actually win real gains through struggle. We don't get it handed down to us by the, our rulers. That's and, not and being a doomer.
1: That, That's just being extremely cool and smart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's just, it's just that like this case, it's going to take a really big struggle, but I think it's an important one because I think that these places, like the, the railway workers, the airline workers, not only have an enormous amount of power, but the contradiction shown by the Railway Labor Act, if we explain that to more people, I think it would really help Drive consciousness around labor in this country, and would be a boon even to the it, mm-hmm. the unions in the rest of the country that are out that aren't regulated by the railway labor act. Right. So it's I, like I think it's something line, to build towards.
2: Right. It's like the old line: uh, "You can only win the things that you're organized to take." I believe is the way the line goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you know that sort of organizing needs to happen, and we're going to keep you know telling people about how fucked the Railway Labor Act is, and, well, and, and hopefully, and, you can get that out to people too.
1: I feel like if you, it's really true, like if you did just explain the Railway Labor Act and also the Fair Labor Standards Act in agriculture um, mm-hmm. to oh, everybody, yeah. uh, I think 90% of Americans would just be like, Yeah, that's fucked. That should, neither of those should exist. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason you don't get taught about that stuff. They don't mm-hmm. want people to know about those laws. Oh, but you
2: have all of your labor rights because the the uh, the guy from the, you know, the after the Depression gave us the... <laughs> he, he unilaterally came down from heaven and bestowed upon us the NLRA. He was a That's big right. fella.
1: That's because he held so many rights on his broad shoulders.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: so... Yeah, this is uh just, just... That is a joke. I hope that no one... <laughs> so... A transition from one of the various labor hellscapes in the United States to another one. We've got folks, green capitalism. It's amazing. It's going to solve the wait. Nope. Checking my notes. It's actually terrible and doesn't exist. Um, Damn.
1: I like green things, but every time I see that capitalism word, something's <laughs> fucked up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So even despite, you know, the massive hold that the oil industry has on the United States, uh, because Solar energy, as well as other renewables, continue to get cheaper. Uh, you know, there is an actual growing sector of renewable energy in the United States. It's not going nearly fast enough. It should be nationalized, obviously. But there is, you know, more and more solar and wind. But because we live in a capitalist, like, the-er capitalist society, the workers involved in building the solar fields that we do desperately need are facing some incredibly atrocious labor uh, conditions to work under.
1: Yeah, it seems yeah, like that I mean, is, a, is, a, is a prevailing trend in a lot of these, like, quote, emergent industries, because you see this mm-hmm. in, like, uh, legal cannabis all the fucking time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think and, that maybe the difference that we're seeing is that, I mean, maybe in cannabis there's a lot of independent contractors, but in solar specifically we are seeing that a m- huge portion of these jobs are independent contract uh contracting jobs which because it you know solar is kind of a you know once it's set up all you got to do is kind of maintain it a lot of it is in installing and and picking parts and making sure that the manufacturing of of the panels happens and then once they're do- that's done they install them and someone walks around and, and makes sure to wipe off the panels um yeah
0: I'll- Although actually they have robotic, uh, uh, cleaners for the panels now. So even those jobs are being eliminated.
1: <laughs> I got yeah. a, I got a little add on for my ring app on my phone. It's like a <laughs> windshield wiper on a solar panel. I just hit a button. Basically, Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so like Lauren K. Gurley did a really good long form uh, look into the conditions faced by workers in the solar industry. And we're going to like, we're, that's mostly where this is from. But I I recommend people check out the whole article because it's really good. And there's like a lot of really good and very interesting interviews with workers that are involved in this industry. Because it basically seems like it's combining the worst aspects of people of, of having to work for temp agencies and the construction industry. Because... So many of these companies that are building the solar fields for the various like operators that are actually selling the electricity are basically they they set up a quick job. They're like, okay, we need to hire a bunch of people. We're going to install this stuff. And so they, they, they hire them from temp agencies. They bring them in to do the work. They close down the job site and they move. So they're basically forcing people into a like nomadic, hyper-exploited, temporary, like – like subaltern workforce, really, like uh, because it combines all the worst aspects of temping and and working in the building trades. Because, like, like for instance, people that that uh, Gurley talked to like mentioned that they are often paid between sixteen dollars and twenty five dollars an hour, plus some incredibly ineff like insufficient per diem to cover a hotel that almost never actually covers a hotel with no benefits. They, it, nearly impossible to secure actual full-time employment and those wages have to be negotiated on an individual basis mm. by each worker who doesn't know what any of their coworkers are getting paid because the whole thing is all run through temp agencies
2: yeah and sometimes these workers are traveling for jobs where those mm-hmm. jobs just dissolve as soon as they're there, where oh, all yeah. of these travel expenses expenses have been, you know, put out there and they have f- like a temporary housing or, or whatever they're doing. I mean, often these people are, you know, four or five people to a single hotel room. Uh, but I mean, even then, you know, sometimes these jobs don't actually exist after someone has uprooted their life.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, one of the, the workers that Lauren talked to, uh, Thomas Shade, explained, quote, they don't want to pay you enough for your room and for you to eat for the week. So you got two guys in beds and a guy sleeping on the floor, one guy on the couch or a chair. And And this is like, this is a big industry now. It employs about a quarter of a million people doing solar installation across the country, which is nearly triple the number of workers from just a decade ago. And only about 10% of those jobs are union, most of them in California. And and that's really at the root of why so many of these jobs are so terrible and have so few benefits. Like the workers there described, I mean, six to seven day work weeks, working 10 to 14 hour days, constant wage theft, no training, and at the job also just being relatively dangerous. Like, one worker, uh, Miguel, who's a heavy equipment operator, said, this feels like one of the last few jobs from the Wild West. Plenty of times I haven't been paid on time. It has happened at every temp agency. Usually I can tell because there's an entire day missing from my paychecks. I have to bring it to their attention, and then they correct it. I was going to say
2: they do, they do that to to like count on the workers not noticing, and so mm-hmm. then they just walk away with you know not having paid the workers for what they worked for.
1: Or even if the workers do notice, they also count on you not feeling comfortable asking for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And like some of the stories in there are just really harrowing just about like the, the lengths these workers are forced to. Like there were workers who reported knowing coworkers, people they'd worked with who had turned to using meth just to have the energy to be able to work seven days a week, 14 hours a day setting this stuff up. Like uh, they're forced to sleep in their cars or in tents. If they don't know anybody on the site to split a cost of a hotel room with because the per diem that they're given is almost never enough to actually get their own hotel room. And like, as you said, Lena, like they can travel hundreds or thousands of miles with the promise of a potential job only to show up and be like, Oh, actually we have all the workers we need. There's no work here for you. And, and if you're, you know, really on a paycheck to paycheck basis, that can be devastating. And, and, And that's even before we get into the conditions actually on the job site, because since the workers are temps, they have like no benefits. And there's a few they they did mention there are some agencies that theoretically pay sick days for workers that are employed with the agency for a long time. But in practice, they're unusable because contractors will fire temp workers who take sick days. Mm -hmm. So they might as well not exist. And, and, like, this work is also, like, so much work, like, it, it, this, there's a lot of conditions here that, that parallel, like, what we hear in the building trades as well as, like, agricultural work, where you have the contractors don't have enough, they don't supply shade, they don't supply enough water, they don't supply break time for workers, and so you have people passing out from heat exhaustion, and I mean some even reported like especially if they were on install jobs in Florida having to do this install work uh, surrounded by snakes and even potentially alligators with like no way to deal with that provided by the the employer
2: yeah that's fucking wild I mean this uh I mean reminds me uh maybe this is a a side note but I do want to actually at some point cover the the law in New Mexico which just mandated um uh sick time for for workers paid sick time Uh, because i went over i actually went into uh, the actual law but and so like in certain places the law might you know provide some you know health health protections like that but like even in those cases you have to work so much to even get those benefits and if you're jumping from company to company through a temp agency like it's so much harder to gather any of those benefits and and that's part of this independent contracting problem that exists in not only this industry but in so many industries to the point where like we wonder why does independent contracting exist as a concept besides to benefit the ruling class the 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 capitalist class
0: yeah like i mean we were we were talking before we started recording and that it's like between reading this between all of the stuff that we've talked about on with Uber and Lyft and all the gig companies the the truck drivers at XPO at the Port of LA like every time we come across a situation where workers are employed as contractors either independently as independent contractors or even just in the building trades where you're working for a contractor or a subcontractor or all this like any of these i do not see what purpose to society the ability to form agencies as contractors and subcontractors could possibly serve. Like, honestly, I think at this point, just being a contractor instead of an actual permanent employer should just be illegal. Like, I don't, I don't think it serves any public purpose. It only seems to exist in order to evade labor law and, Like, basically steal money from these workers for the labor they're doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, like, small cases of, like, you know, if you have landscaping coming in and doing work on a location. I mean, construction is, like, those are contract jobs, but you're not then an independent contractor with the company. So, yeah, and, I mean, like, I can't see a reason for the independent contractor status to be a thing when you can just be an employee of a company that is then contracted by another company to do a job that maybe that company doesn't do. Like, that's the the only example that I can think of that is any level of reasonable. There's no reason for the idea of an independent contractor to exist at all. I mean, like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the the whole thing is ridiculous. I mean, so, like, we were talking about this... The industry is now is only about ten percent unionized. The like Launa, the which is the the Laborers International Union, and IBEW have made some progress in organizing, but it really varies state by state. And most of the states in the country have no protections whatsoever for temp workers, contractors, anybody involved in this. Uh, like the the building trades, as well as like yeah, like Launa IBW have have made. It seems like the biggest wins that they've been able to get to to advance the ability to organize these workers is been through forcing through like labor reform laws in states specifically with things like requiring contractors to pay a prevailing wage because then that more or less forces the contractor to bargain with the union and and like california is the place where they've had by far the most success and the same workers the solar installers in california who are unionized they're not making an hour that they might not get paid and no per diem and being moved state to state thousands of miles, not being paid enough to even have a hotel room. They're making $40 an hour, which that sounds a bit more appropriate for the kind of work that these folks are doing. Mm -hmm. And they have like actual benefits including pension benefits like there's there is absolutely no reason these jobs can't be good jobs this is one of the things that frustrates me so much because you'll have like the democrats come out and talk about oh we want to have a just energy transition we want to train coal miners to be solar installers which you're like okay i don't necessarily think that's a bad idea except what they mean is like oh we want to force people into this bullshit where it, you have a basically a, a, a job that is just not doable for people who have families, for people who just like can't live in the hyper exploited conditions that so many of these workers are forced into. It, it it means it's like oh we want these people to go for, from a job where they're currently super exploited to a job where they're even more exploited but it's green
2: right well right. and I and I think that the one thing that I've failed that we failed to like bring up and I don't even know if it was covered in this article because I have to be honest I'm reading most of this just from the notes is the uh the migra- migrant workers like immigrant workers who mm-hmm. are also very often independent contractors and i mean they are with you know temporary job companies and and such and and they are also super exploited by these by these uh these independent contracting practices and i'm sure that many of these you know well-trained people are immigrant workers
0: oh absolutely yeah i mean the guy that they quoted in there like miguel which i don't believe is his real name uh, is I believe a, a migrant worker who has been doing this work for I think like a decade, um, and and yeah, like the the whole thing, it's a big fucking house of cards, and it's just built for the profit of these contractors. To in the same way that agricultural laborers are super exploited, mm-hmm. it's it's completely fucked. Like it's, we need to get rid of contracting or get rid of the really the the key is just make labor law a have teeth and B, make it applicable no matter whether you're a contractor or not. That's probably the simplest way to do like the the immediate term reform that's Mm -hmm. needed along the more important route of if this is what we have for installing renewable energy under the most advanced capitalist nation on Earth, then that should be a good signal that (laughs) capitalism is not up to the task Mm-hmm. Of dealing with climate change, because this is dog shit, and this is not going to actually get us to a place where we actually have renewable energy well, I mean like, like, we need this shit run by a plan when,
1: when when American politicians talk about renewable energy and their big plans for it, they start talking about how much they love Elon Musk, which is a really good indication of the path that this kind of stuff takes under liberalism, which is that Absolutely. they they just put the biggest fucking idiots possible in charge of it
2: right, and then <laughs> yeah. the, the lines that are always toted out is I just remember the kind of uh, debacle under Obama, where he, there was like that one company who didn't do anything but got a bunch of subsidies or whatever. And it's like, that's why we should not have fucking a bunch of private industries. We should have a fucking nationalized, like, uh environmental, like, energy policy that actually employs these people and these workers have unions that will actually provide good benefits. I mean, all again, it, you know, we go from, you know, independent contracting to actual employees. To a, like a nationalized industry, but I mean, like, fuck, I would be willing to skip the middle step and move right to the ladder.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done because there's no reason that these jobs cannot be really. They can. They should be good careers. This should be the sort of thing that you're proud to tell people that you do because it's mm-hmm. actually like doing something very important for society. And the fact that our form of capitalism has managed to turn it into this should be an absolute indictment. But, Absolutely. Anyways, speaking we of close indictments, out this week's- <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of, of people we want to yell at, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to finish out a week as we as we have been catching up with Starbucks. And of course, we got to start out with looking into, oh, hey, how's Howard Schultz war on his employees going? And uh, same as it has been pretty much where on June 22nd, Starbucks fired yet another union organizer for organizing this time at a another store in Buffalo. This was at one of the the stores that only recently unionized there. This is the East Robinson store. Uh, And so Victoria Conklin was fired for being late the first time she had ever been late in five years. That's Which, for real.
2: That is that is for real the the actual firing offense that they have cited. Um
1: This is also the the exact uh situation I would make up if I was trying to do hyperbole about the way that uh companies like Starbucks do targeted firings during labor organization.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And that, well, I mean, to you to that point, it's not even just that they fired her for being late for the first time in five years, which as you said, is already insane. It's on the back of like, she has a quote, she explains exactly why and this is so fucked up. Quote, they fired me because they scheduled me to do a clopening, which is Mm -hmm. when you close the store and open it the next morning. And I overslept and was late by 20 minutes, but the store opened on time. We didn't lose any customers or anything. The only thing I couldn't serve when we opened was iced tea because it takes about five minutes to steep.
1: That's insane.
0: That's it. That's why they fired her. Because I mean, Lena, you've talked about this a million times. They fired her because she was late after she worked a shift that should be illegal
2: exactly like oh man clopening ships like that that those they're, the, they're really the worst and they honestly are what I what I've drawn a conclusion from is why so many people have sleeping disorders because yeah. very often people's early jobs in their early adulthood are either you know working super late and then happening to work early and then wild schedule shifts like nobody has consistency and suddenly people are in their you know mid-20s maybe even early 20s or any time after that And they're just like, I just don't know why I can't get to sleep. And it's just like your body has been conditioned by the material things around you to not be able to actually self-regulate your sleep. Like, that's just... That's just well, how and, it yeah,
1: happens. Starbucks is pretty, especially bad about this because while they're fucking with your sleep, they also are like giving you free coffee the whole day, so you develop like Oof, wild yeah. caffeine dependencies and shit. I remember taking after years of resisting becoming a shift supervisor, taking the role as a shift supervisor because my manager promised me that I would have a coherent and set schedule. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> never it happened. Was a lie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn, what a surprise! Mm-hmm. Starbucks management lying to the workers. Insane. But. I mean, that's the thing. So Starbucks is of course saying, Oh no, 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 We didn't fire her because she was just late. This was not the first incident. And they cited a, something that, that she had been written up for before, which was the workers at the store went out on a ULP strike over unsafe conditions that led to a worker being to coworkers being burned. Uh, like I pretty sure by like hot liquids at the store and, When they went on strike, she locked the cash that was in the register in the register. So it's like, okay, now this will secure the stuff so it can't get taken away. And they wrote her up for that because she didn't transfer the cash from the, again, locked register to a safe,
1: to the time delay safe that can only (laughs) be opened between certain hours and is also frequently broken and doesn't work correctly.
0: Yeah. So, their excuse is obvious nonsense. It's a manufactured pretext that they came up with to fire an organizer. And, it, again, this firing happened just after the East Robinson store voted to unionize seven to four, and uh, you know, continuing to make Buffalo the center of the, the Starbucks right. movement.
2: Well, and I just want to also do one more thing about this is that Starbucks has a policy of three strikes, not two like that mm. that is that is absolutely like there has to be another instance of her being written
0: up otherwise they're not even following their own rules well i mean i certainly find it difficult to believe starbucks isn't <laughs> going to follow their own rules so the, yeah i know it's it, it it's just that's the thing i think part of why like you're seeing apple like take the approach they're taking is because like starbucks is just so Like this, the it's so openly cruel with this stuff. They're not even good at covering for it. Like I don't know. I don't think anybody who's not even like, even if you're just not acquainted with all this labor stuff, you can read any of these stories and be like, I don't know. That sounds like bullshit. I think you just fired them because they were organizing. (laughs) And. And so, I mean, so Victoria Conklin, has has, she's filed a ULP for her illegal firing and has not been discouraged in organizing because of this. And she plans to continue to help out with organizing drives in the area while her case is being adjudicated. So, I mean, huge props to her for standing strong and fighting back against this bullshit. But uh, And she's not the only one standing up against this stuff, too. And that's what's so inspiring about this is that, like, we – the the more stores we are seeing get unionized the more starbucks continues its illegal retaliation campaign the more the workers are just like fine fuck you we have a union now <laughs> that means we can strike even if you don't have us, even if you're not going to give us a contract we can still withhold our labor so there have been multiple strikes over the last weekend like the clark and ridge store in chicago went on strike there was a strike i think the weekend before in pittsburgh and the one in that just happened in Chicago was because, yet again, you have a store that unionized. And so p- one of the many, you know, passive-aggressive, like, ways that they tr- go after the workers is that the management at the store slashed workers' hours and forced them to work multiple positions at the same time during peak. Basically trying to run the workers into the ground and force them to quit. And... The the great thing, though, about this story is that because the workers had organized the union, because they had their, you know, shared solidarity, they're just like, okay, fine. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, you, you like making all that money on the weekends when you, you know, have your highest amount of customers, right? Well, what if the store was closed because we're on strike? Yeah. How's that going to
2: go? That fucking rocks. <laughs> uh, I mean, we also are in the show notes are going to have a little solidarity fund for the Chicago workers who are on strike. Yes. So make sure to keep an eye out for that and share it around i mean even if you're not able to to you know provide material assistance at this moment you know make sure to put it out there on your feed so that other people who might have that ability can can go ahead and contribute to these these workers funds so that they can keep standing up for what's right um yeah. but i guess uh, we'll move to votes uh where we actually this week have uh two uh losses and then a bunch of wins uh one of them was in LA and the other was in Boston uh, both by only three votes i am a little surprised by how many of these california ones are the one, are specifically yeah. the ones that are failing um Uh, And I mean, I guess I shouldn't say failing in the more like, you know, just like unable to meet the extreme union busting that Starbucks has been been rolling out. But yeah, that's uh, just something that I've kind of observed through through all of these. But I mean, as usual, there's so many more victories than losses. We've got 13 union wins this week. And I guess we're starting off on Monday, June 27th, when Roanoke, Roanoke, Virginia, won their election with a unanimous 14-0 to victory, uh, bringing the number of stores in Virginia to 10. Uh, On Tuesday, the 28th, workers uh, got wins at the stores in Sterling, Virginia, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and uh, Gresham, Oregon.
0: Mm -hmm. And then on Wednesday... Uh, Columbus, Ohio got their second union store. And then on Thursday, we got a big pile of wins. This is Thursday, June 30th, where we got seven wins in one day, where you got Denton, Texas, Madison, Wisconsin, Astoria, Queens, Cambridge, Massachusetts, Seattle, and two more stores in the Richmond area. So that brings us to 187 unionized Starbucks covering over five thousand unionized Starbucks workers. Seattle's going
1: absolutely nuts. Like yeah. the, the workers in Seattle are absolutely tearing it up. They're up there with like Buffalo and, and Pittsburgh and all that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about what 5,000 unionized workers under one union means and thinking about like what, like that's going to be like, almost a million dollars in dues a year which can be put towards these strikes which can be put towards building more unions and reaching out to more and more people and this collective struggle is only going to get more powerful the more workers that are a part of it and And i'm just so fucking excited for them
0: and there's at least 120 more stores that have already filed So. yeah well and then there's also stores that
1: are in similar industries like Chipotle mm-hmm. that are starting to unionize and I mean uh, people have traditionally talked about like the really powerful unions because they operate at like really critical points of the economy like teachers nurses longshoremen logistics workers truckers etc but like what if your union was really powerful because it <laughs> it together with a bunch of other unions represented most of the jobs that Americans have which are yeah. Service industry and retail jobs.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's really inspiring. We love to see it. That's why we, you know, have been closing out the shows with Starbucks because there's always so much good news there on all the union wins. And so, yeah. what would make the transition into our meme reviews any smoother than to start out with a Starbucks meme from a Starbucks worker? <laughs>
2: Hell yeah! We have this person who is uh, in a mask. They, uh, I believe, the, I mean, maybe it's them who who tweeted. Uh, they said going to on a trash run at Starbucks. Uh, I mean, adding Starbucks on 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 Twitter. Did I say Facebook on Twitter? Um, I don't remember. But anyway, they're holding a, a trash bag over their shoulder, and uh, the you know is labeled taking out the trash. And coincidentally, there is a little bubble face on the bag of trash. Of a smiling man <laughs> resembling Howard Schultz. Huh. The,
0: this one I love because, like, is is it a particularly inventive or or you know a high effort meme? No, but I love the fact that like the Starbucks workers are just like, "Hey, fuck you guys!"
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Hey, swinging around a bag of old espresso grounds and like thrown away uh, bits of pastry. And you're like, I got your Howard Schultz ready. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) It's such great energy, which is what I think makes this meme very high quality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the next
2: one is a cats in hard hats meme. and. (laughs) I'm I so glad <laughs> that you brought this one in because I don't know if you'll remember this, but I think in the in the work conditions channel, I had mentioned a dream that I had had one time. Well, let, let's do the meme first. Uh, so it's uh, the caption. There's just like this. Uh, this. What is it? A it's like a demolished or house. Is this? with the yeah well i was was trying to think of the piece of front end loader right right and uh it says me and the boys getting a stern talking to from the safety guy after tearing down the wrong house (laughs) and in (laughs) my in my dream that i i had put in in there i had talked about how like uh i was in this house that was being demolished and i went out and i was like really concerned and I walked up to the to the person who was at, like I guess the foreman and I was like yo you need to d- explain to your workers that this needs to be taken care of properly because honestly I'm not trying to get, in any- get anyone in trouble here because I mean y'all are just trying to do your job but this is clearly the wrong thing and I it was literally like my my brain even subconsciously goes hey we need to talk about safety <laughs> and good practices we're not getting the workers in trouble and this means." has brought back that dream. I
1: well, and it also has just a bunch of cats in, in bump caps making like... Uh,
0: the derpiest <laughs> face.
1: The derpiest faces. I mean, two of them look like they they might be showing like muted contrition and then the one on the right just has his tongue sticking out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they picked like the funniest cats for this one. It's very yeah. good. Cats in hard hats, definitely one of the better follows out there right now. Um, And then... Yeah. For our third one, we've got, you know, a teenage stepdad, cla- like, really, a- I mean, it's a new one, but it's really a classic style joint where you've got, it's in the style of, like, uh, one of those, like, newspaper ad effort. inserts.
1: The penny saver yes. kind of deal Yeah
0: yeah, that's it And it's, it's captioned Like the, the, the name of the place is Fuck this is some bullshit And then the top caption is just Everything costs too much Shitty health insurance should be free But it isn't Why not? Because fuck you Wait till you try to use it LMAO And then <laughs> Shitty apartment some bullshit like two thousand a month, not including utilities. Those fuckers are a cost a shit ton too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then shitty college, just total fucking bullshit. Should be free, but it isn't. Why not? Because fuck you. <laughs> and then wow. like a bunch of small ones at the bottom where you've got Dino Juice, and the price on it is just ouch and it's a picture of like a gas can (laughs) and then again
2: because fuck you these all these these, almost all of these at the bottom say because fuck you yeah so sigs
0: i could really use one groceries what the fuck medicine and then the one on the the end that i just biodome on dvd should be like two bucks max
1: yeah why was Pauly Shore even famous in the first place? (laughs) And why was he in a goofy movie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then like the bottom caption has got the, you know, important part there, inflation. These motherfuckers just want us to stay poor forever.
1: That's right. I mean, I don't know how many times I have to say it, but if gas is up and crude is down, that just means you're getting fucked Mm -hmm. that much more.
2: That's correct. Mm -hmm. And they've got all the profits that they need anyway. We honestly could you know like get basically free gas for for the working class anyway that's a different that's a different point this next one is a book cover and uh it really reminds me of our current administration <laughs> and their commitment to fundraising
1: <laughs> I was going to say nothing but you did think of the one thing they're committed to <laughs>
0: <laughs> it also reminds me of the New York Times, but like, oh mm. yeah, and their fucking
2: transphobic article. Did you know that Nazis and leftists are the same because uh, t- Transphobe Because I'm a transphobe. Yeah, it's, that says says New York Times opinion columnist.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. And in this, so this is is the. It's got a guy and then his big shadow behind him, and it's the strange case of Doctor Liberal and Mister Fascist, <laughs>
1: which, which. uh it's a little too true. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean it's one of those ones where you're like, "Hey, it's funny cuz I'm witnessing it every day in my actual mm-hmm. life." <laughs>
2: yeah, the the somber nature of it. it's like we're we're all just like, "Ah, this is so funny." <laughs> yeah. The- and <laughs> uh, and then the last one we're ending with is a motherfucking share zone uh meme where we've got this cowboy skeleton tipping his hat. Uh, with a nice, like, purplish background. It's, listen up, partner. Uh, If you haven't been stealing from work, now's the time to start. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. they're already taking a bunch of your surplus value. You might as well get some of it back.
1: Who who was that uh, older guy in the Big Lebowski who played the cowboy dude at the bowling alley? Sam, uh, um, the fuck is his name?
0: Is that Sam Avery? Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. That's him.
1: That's I, this, I, I, I read this meme in Sam Elliott's voice when <laughs> I first saw it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's good.
2: That's good. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you'd like to support our show, we are entirely listener-supported, so head on over to patreon.com slash workstoppage, and we have $5 a month. You get access to all of our special content um and we really 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 appreciate it you can share any of our episodes and you know get the information out to people i mean this is super important for people to get their labor education so that we can continue this movement Uh, you can follow john on twitter at facebook villain you can follow the pod at work stoppage pod you can listen to bp pledus you can listen to red game table which uh, a little spoiler on that I don't know when it's going to be coming out with a new season, but there's going to be a new person on it, no more told. Anyway... Oh my god, Nick
1: Cage?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's still that hard up for money to pay the IRS. (laughs) That's right.
2: Well, uh, thank you all again, and as always, Labor Peace is not in our interest and solidarity forever
1: that's right
0: solidarity solidarity everybody